Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. The title is Humility Comes Before Honor. That's the series title. And then we are looking at the king who worships. The king who worships. And as I mentioned today, this is our fifth session in this series on humility. Um, and so if you would, please go ahead and share the, share the stream on all the platforms. And we'll get started here in just a second. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited about this. I like this particular individual that we're, uh, we're going to study today and exactly what he desired from the Lord, what he got, and then he got even more than what he asked of God. You know, that's the, that's the nature of the Lord, is that what you ask of the Lord, he always gives that to you in excess, in abundance. It really is an amazing thing. God's so good. He's so merciful. He's so kind. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for you to see that even more today. Maybe you already believe that. Maybe you already understand that God is kind, that God is merciful, that God loves you. God loves you. But the more we get a revelation of that, the more we understand that, the more it gets down into the depth of our heart, man, that changes our life. And it changes us from the inside out. And so if you know that Jesus loves you and you know he cares for you, TikTok, go ahead and tap some hearts on the screen. Just blow, let's see if we can get to 5,000 likes today on TikTok. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, if you know Jesus loves you, make sure you like the, the, the broadcast, share it, subscribe. You think, are you trying to entice me? Are you just trying to bait me? Absolutely. I'm trying to bait you. (laughs) Let me know where you're watching from. I'd love to know where you're watching from. we got people always joining us, whether it's during the live or on the replay. We always go back and check the comments as well and answer those comments. So I'm thankful for you. Let's get into it. Check my marker time because then when I go back to trim off, we got Texas watching. Awesome. Uh, Glad to have you in, Piper Grace. Uh, always trim it back so that when the next time you come and watch the replay, bam, it goes straight to the teaching. All right. Well, praise God. Let's go ahead and do it. Today, we're going to talk about the king who worships. This is the fifth session in our series, Humility Comes Before Honor. And of course, we're going to go to our main text. Actually, I started off having only one main text. And uh, I added two to it every single day. So... We're going to go to our three main verses for this series, Humility Comes Before Honor. Humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, prideful, arrogant. It's interesting, isn't it? I think this whole month, in some nations, not all, in some nations is known as Pride Month. But what does pride produce? Destruction. A warning. A good warning there. Proverbs 18.12 Before destruction the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. So if you want honor in your life, and there's nothing wrong with that, if you want to increase and be successful, and there's nothing wrong with increasing and being successful, If you want to quote-unquote win in life, there's nothing wrong with quote-unquote winning in life. But you want to do it God's terms. You want to do it on God's terms. You know, you don't want to strive your whole life 
and, and work and commit yourself to do things and then realize that you've done them out of the order of God's divine wisdom, uh, out of the order of God's heart and what He desires to do on the earth. Because the reality is when you connect and you covenant yourself with God, you're going to succeed and you're going to win. You're going to increase. You're going to, according to His terms and His definitions, which is true, increase. You know, some people, some people will trade their peace, their joy, their marriages, the, the relationships they have in their life with their children, with their family, for things like fame and money. I would never trade those precious treasures that I've been given for money. But just because you live for the Lord doesn't mean you can't be blessed. You can be richly blessed. Uh, some, of the, some of the men in my church that run their own businesses, they put God first in everything and they're richly blessed. But they don't have to do with that the expense of losing their peace and their joy, their sanity, their marriages, their wives, their children. Of course not. And that's the Lord's leading my heart on that because we're going to see that took exactly place. That's the exact thing that took place in this man's life that we're going to look at today. I want you to see this, James chapter 4, verse 6. But he, the Lord, gives more grace. Someone type more grace in the comments. Now, if this is the first time that you're watching and listening, I always have you type things in the comments. Because when you're listening, you're watching, and then you begin to type, you're engaging multiple senses so that you can be, you can take all this information in many different outlets. More grace more grace, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, verse 5, the third, number three of our three main texts. First Peter 5, verse 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders, Yes, and all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if you want more of grace, more of God's grace in your life, which, what is grace? Grace is a supernatural empowerment to do what God has called you to do. We see that in Romans chapter 6. It tells us that we're no, under, no longer under the dominion of sin. We're no longer under the dominion of sin because we are under grace. Grace is a spiritual empowerment to do exactly what God has commanded us and called us to do. It is not just as some, some people think, grace is well, you know, what Jesus did on the cross. Of course it is. That was grace. But what Jesus did on the cross was not just forgiving and cleansing of sin. It was also to recreate us and make us a brand new creation when we put our faith in Him as Lord and to fill us with the self-same Spirit, Romans chapter 8, that raised Christ from the dead, fills us. The Holy Ghost, He empowers us with a supernatural grace. And it is the grace of God that will cause you, that will cause you to excel in life. Now, 
Let's get to today's example of humility. Now, if you haven't been watching, if you're already on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, right here, you can go back and watch the other four previous uh, sessions of this series. We covered, and TikTok, if you want to see those replays, of course, TikTok doesn't do replay, unfortunately, but you can go to my link tree on my bio. Go to my bio on my TikTok account. Hit the link tree. Go to Gospel. There'll be a bunch of tabs, Gospel Tabernacle Church. Click that. You can watch all the replays. Subscribe while you're there. We covered what is humility. We answered the question, what is humility? And humility is the absolute surrender to God's will. That's what humility is. Biblical humility, true humility, is absolute surrender to God's will. Second, we looked at the life of Joseph. And we saw how Joseph, though it started off pretty bumpy, he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And though he went through being a slave to a prisoner, he ended his life being second in command of the greatest empire of the world at that time which he, when he lived. And he made a way of salvation, as the Bible tells us, for the people of Israel, which at that point in time was basically his family. But if the people of Israel, him and his family, were not saved, there would be no bloodline for Christ to come into the earth. So we saw that humility in Joseph's life turned that which was meant for evil for good. Genesis 50 tells us that. Second person we looked at, we looked at Gideon, the general who hides. Gideon was hiding from his enemies when the Lord came and called him out and told him, you're a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty man of valor. Think about that. The general that God was going to use to lead the people of Israel in victory against the enemies of God was hiding from those very enemies. Humility caused Gideon to rise up to the occasion to obey the Lord and to bring about great victory and freedom for a nation. Third person we looked at, the boy who fights. The boy who fights. We looked at King David. King David was simply serving, being obedient to his father, serving as a shepherd, takes food to his three oldest brothers. There were eight of them all together. The three oldest were fighting or in a standoff with the Philistines because no one wanted to fight Goliath. David shows up and he takes on Goliath. And again and again and again, he gives the Lord glory and honor saying, if the Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's no problem. I'll eat him for lunch. I'll cut off his head. Didn't have a sword, used Goliath's own sword to cut his head off. So humility brought David from a, a place of obscurity, from being a simple shepherd's, a shepherd boy, the youngest of his brothers, so young that when Samuel came to his house to anoint a king, Jesse didn't even call for David. That Jesse has eight, chill, eight sons, eight sons, he calls the first seven because he figures, you know, David, I mean, he's out there. He sings to the sheep. You know, he's kind of he's strange. He's writing all these songs, singing to the sheep. He's the youngest. This man's looking for a king, not my youngest boy. 
But the Lord told Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the inside of the heart. And so humility brought him from out of the sheep, out of being a shepherd in the sheepfold to being a shepherd of the king of Israel, a shepherd of the nation of Israel, the people of God. So today we're going to look at the king who worships. I want you to type that in the comments. The king who worships. The king who worships. Audrey continues to come back, and this time she wants to hear The Little Mermaid. Sorry, not reading that today. You guys make it fun on TikTok. The king who worships. 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to do as what we have been doing and what I prefer to do when we look at a, a hero of the faith in the, in the Bible. I like to take it, you know, take a chapter here or there of an experience so that you can hear the f entire context. You know, it's good when you're reading your Bible to actually read the entire context, uh, which simply means read the whole story. Don't just pick a verse here or a verse there. Oftentimes, if you just read one verse, uh, yeah, you don't get the full grasp of it. You don't get the full intention or power of it. And, you know, you may be reading something and think, oh, wow, that's a great promise. But then you realize, wait a minute, this is a totally different meaning than what I perceived or implied upon it by my emotions or thoughts. So we're going to read First, First Kings chapter 3, and we're going to look at King Solomon. And we're going to see how humility brought him to a place of honor. First Kings chapter 3, verse 1. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Verse 2. Meanwhile, people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father. David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. A thousand burnt offerings. What we see here is before the temple is built, of course there's still the tabernacle, but before the temple is built, the people of Israel, they would sacrifice to the Lord but in what is called high places. Sometimes in the Old Testament, when you're reading about high places, it is a place of sacrifice and worship to false gods. This is not the case here. This is the case. What, what's going on here is there was not an organized, specific place to come to. Well, there was the tabernacle. But the people of Israel would not come, oftentimes. They would still worship Jehovah, but they would do it in a high place. And they would have a hill or a certain place or at least a certain uh, area in their tribe or in their region. And they would go and worship and do worship to Jehovah. Now, oftentimes those places would quickly become places of idolatry. Those places would quickly become places of idol worship. But what's going on here is they're sacrificing different high places, even though that's what the Lord commanded them not to do. Solomon goes and sacrifices in one of the most well-known places, the great high place, Gibeon. Because up to this time of the tabernacle, that tabernacle has moved several times. 
So there's not really like a, a designated place because King David is really establishing um, this order of worship. Much of what King David did was to prepare for what we call the Temple of Solomon. King David, at the end of his life, when he's preparing, when he wants to build a, uh, tells the Lord he wants to build a house of worship for him, he sends the prophet to him and says, look, I have no need of anything, you know, this or that, but I can see that your heart is you want to bless me. King David gives an offering to prepare and set aside for King Solomon, his son, to build this temple. The offering that King David sets aside in today's value, roughly about $1.8 billion. That was his personal gift. David's personal gift to the building of the temple was about $1.8 billion. Can you imagine how many people would get so upset if they saw the temple in all its glory? Why does a church need to look so nice? Why does a church need to have that? Why, does a, why do Christians need to sp spend money on the building? If people that talk like that saw the temple, they would pass out and fall over dead. <laughs> it, it, it was amazing the amount of wealth that was in the temple. So at this point, the temple is yet to be finished, but it will be built here in the next few chapters. So Solomon goes to worship the Lord because we see here in chapter 3, or excuse me, verse 3. Let me get there on my iPad as well. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. It says that Solomon loved the Lord very much. It says that his heart was toward the Lord. He loved the Lord and he walked in the statutes or the commands of his father. We're going to see that in just a minute again. But he walked before the Lord holy. You know, part of humility is walking before the Lord in obedience. You could write this in the comments. Humility equals obedience. Why don't you type that in the comments? Humility equals obedience. Humility equals obedience. Humility equals obedience. Solomon loved the Lord, verse 3, walking in the statutes of his father David, except this one thing. He was sacrificing and burning incense at the high places. You know, the reality is we're always continually in a place of being cleansed and refined. None of us have arrived. We're being perfected. We're currently... Now, in means and matters of salvation and having our name written in the book of life, you know, that takes place when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that point forward, we're being sanctified. We're being continually cleansed. We're being continually refined. It's like what Jesus uh, teaches in John 15 about the, uh, the, the vine dresser, the true vine, and the branches. See that? There's one where it tells us that he prunes the branch. 
John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So notice that. Jesus says in John 15, every branch that's connected to the true vine, Jesus is the true vine, every branch that produces fruit, it gets pruned so that it will produce more fruit. I don't know if anyone, any, anyone that's watching has a backyard garden or you've got some potted plants or something. Uh, my wife and daughter and I, we planted a big backyard garden. It's the largest one we've ever had. We've got four raised beds and even some ground space that we've planted in. And particularly, like I, I was watching a lot of videos like on YouTube, TikTok about gardening, and like tomato plants apparently. Uh, if you want a good, strong tomato plant, you need to plant two-thirds of that plant in the ground. Problem is, if you go buy it from the store, you know, that much is in the dirt and this much isn't. So what they say is actually to pull away those smallest branches and put two-thirds of that thing down in the ground and make it short so that all that space that has those branches, you pull those branches back, you prune them back, you actually shorten the uh, amount of plant that is above ground Put most of it underground so that it will, when those branches sprout back out under the dirt, they'll become root systems. Because the idea is the more roots that are in the ground, the stronger the plant will be, the more it will produce in a time to come. Even though in the moment there's less branches, there's less branches that will hold fruit, you've pruned them away so that you can lower it in the ground so that it will have a stronger root system. It's no different than in the kingdom of God with you and I. There is pruning that continually takes place because our desire is to be like Christ. If you want to be like Jesus, put an emoji hand up in the comment section. If you want to be more and more like Christ, put an emoji hand up in the comment section. If you want to be more like Jesus, I do. I want to continually be pruned. That's right, Gloria. Me too. Tina, amen. I want to be continually pruned if there's something in me, and that's a prayer that I pray, Lord, if there's something in me that, de Trinity says absolutely, if there's something in me that doesn't bear fruit, then I want the Lord to clip it, cut it away, so that I can bear more fruit. Teddy's saying he does as well. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now notice this. 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 4, now the king, Solomon, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. A thousand burnt offerings. This, the, one study note says this. If this offerings, it doesn't tell us whether it's bulls or whether it's goats, lambs, rams. We don't know what animal it was or a mixture of it. Sheila, yeah, on... On Facebook, hand raised, absolutely. If bulls, and the, you know, this, these prices constantly change, but if it were bulls, 800000 to a million dollar offering, this would have suited Solomon's royal magnificence, it says. If it's goats, lambs, rams, still hundred, $200,000 worth of livestock with, in addition to, flour, wine, and oil, that was required for each animal sacrifice. So a thousand burnt offerings 
was a massive act of worship to the Lord. And this is a burnt offering. This is not a sin offering. Keep this in mind. If you're not aware, and this is the reason why it's good to start at the beginning of your Bible and read through it, and read through your Bible each year. All you got to do is read three chapters a day and you'll read your entire Bible every year. Three chapters a day, 10 minutes roughly, 10 to 15 minutes a day, and you'll read your Bible from cover to cover once a year. And that would richly bless you. But when you get to that book called Leviticus that has all these laws concerning animal sacrifice and the act of worship in the Old Covenant, when you read all that, all this took place a thousand times. If you're going to give this animal, this animal, this amount of flour, this amount of oil, this amount of wine that comes along with it, each time, a thousand times. Let me tell you something. Even if he had an army of Levites, which I'm sure he did, he had an army of Levites here to help him because that's who ministers the sacrifice, not Solomon, the Levites. He brought the sacrifice there. It would have, this would have been, this had to have taken probably a day or two. I mean a full day sun up to sundown amazing act of worship an act amazing act of worship adam is cheering me on here he said i wouldn't be surprised if we see this guy in the news in a couple of years i appreciate the uh, i appreciate you cheering me on adam i'm thankful for those kind words <laughs> now notice this verse 5 at gibeon the lord appeared to solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask, what shall I give you? Now, real quick, pause here. My good friend Jeff, who gets on and trolls often. Uh, Omnibenevolent God created hell. Hmm, question mark. What? The Lord Jesus told us why hell was created. For Satan and his angels. But if you follow on the path of Satan and his angels, you'll go to the same place that they have inherited. Very simple, actually. All right, here we go. 1 Kings 3, 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Now notice that. The Lord comes to Solomon after an act of worship. So right here we see this act of humility. Humility, you can write this in the comments. I had you write humility equals obedience. Write this in the comments. Humility equals worship. Humility equals worship. Humility equals worship. Solomon humbles himself. We don't, there's no other reason here we see other than the fact that Solomon loved the Lord. There is no other reason that he did this amazing, magnificent act of worship. He just loved the Lord. And in because he loved the Lord, he brought this massive sacrifice to the Lord to give him honor, to worship him, to be obedient, to love him. And here's the thing. The Lord will not overlook your acts of love and service. I, was, I, I just read this yesterday, speaking about you know reading your Bible each day. Hebrews chapter 6, for verse 10. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name 
in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Type this in the comments. God is not forgetful. Type that in the comments. God is not forgetful. God is not forgetful. See, when you, when you come to the Lord, the Bible tells us that when we draw nigh unto God, He will draw nigh unto us. When you draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. Because drawing close to the Lord is an act of worship. That's James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then it goes on to tell us in verse 9, Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So when we draw to the Lord, he's drawing unto us. When we step toward the Lord, He steps toward us. Because drawing to God, stepping towards God, an act of worship is an act of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. You have to believe that God is who He says He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I know that I have had you type several things in the comments. Type this in the comments. It'll build your faith. God is a rewarder. Type that in the comments. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. You can't draw close to God and He not draw close to you. It's when people, when people say, I just feel like I'm so far from God. What are you doing to draw close to God? You know, if, if, if I was in a position where I felt so far from God, you know what I would do? I would open up and read my Bible more, not less. I would pray more, not less. I mean, get serious. Like if I'm seriously in a place, uh, I just feel like I'm so far from God. God's so far from me. Usually people put the blame on God. I feel like God's so far away from me, right? It's not, I feel like I'm so far away from God. That would mean it's my fault. We want to put it over on God. I feel like God's so far away from me. Uh, as if he's left. No. If I felt that way, that the Lord was far from me, or rather I was far from him, I'm, I'm a very intentional, I'm going to use this word, maybe it's misunderstood, but in passion, very violent, very forceful. Like if I'm going to do something, man, I'm going to hit it, I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to throw myself completely into it. So if I, if I felt like I was far from God, man, it's like I'm flipping the switch. I'm increasing prayer time. Maybe I'm going to pray with fasting for a day or two, a couple days. I'm going to go from reading a couple chapters to 10, 12 chapters throughout the day. I'm going to call it any possible time that I have downtime. I'm working, typing, I'm driving something. If I'm not praying, I'm going to have something on my phone playing. I'm going to have some messages, some Bible teachers teaching the Word of God to me. I'm going to just blow up, increase, exponentially increase the input of God's Word into my life. 
and continually to surrender myself through prayer. I'm going to give myself to the Lord more and more and more and more if I felt that way. Because the reality is God is a rewarder. Hey, Jesse, glad to have you on. God bless you. Kelly, I'm using the New King James Version Bible. Uh, Kaylin wants to know, can I ask why you think the Bible is reliable? Too many reasons to answer it. One, it's the most historically proven book in the world. Uh, ancient books of antiquity generally have 10, 20 manuscripts. The New Testament alone has over 5,700 manuscripts. Two, why do I believe the Bible? Because I see what it does in people's lives when they believe it and live according to it. Three, why do I believe the Bible? Because of the, the change it's brought about in my life. Four, why do I believe the Bible? Because when it's preached, people change. They go from being a sinner to a saint. Five, why do I believe the Bible? Because when the Word is preached with faith, miracles take place. Sick people are healed. The dead are raised. Demonic people, people that are possessed with demons, they are freed and they come out of bondage in satanic captivity. Uh, what was that? Six? Seven. The reason I believe the Bible, when the Bible is submitted to and preached, it changes nations. Eight. The reason I believe the Bible, this nation that I live in, United States of America, was founded upon biblical principles and because of it, it has brought this nation into a place of peace and prosperity that has lasted for 200 plus some odd years and the people that are currently in control, Republican and Democrat, are uh, most by, mostly, unfortunately, don't respect the Bible, don't follow it, and as hard as they're trying, it's still hard to slow down what the Scripture has created, which is a prosperous nation. I could keep going on, but that's not my topic for today. Why you believe the Bible? God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. Facebook, YouTube, you're thinking, what's going on? I got TikTok over here to the left. It gets pretty fun in the comment section. God is a rewarder. When you draw close to God, He's going to draw close to you. And so Solomon, he sacrifices these thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. And what happens? That night... That night, the Lord comes to him in a dream. Verse 6, Solomon said, "You have, now, so the Lord, verse 5, ask what you shall give to me. Notice that. You're not, God is not going to be a debtor to anyone. Praise God on YouTube. Gillian Kaneem says, listening at 3.40 a.m. from New Zealand, you either stay up really late, Gillian, or you're a very early riser. Either way, I'm so glad that you're watching and listening. Make sure you subscribe if you hadn't already. Glad to have you. God bless New Zealand. 1 Kings 3, verse 5, God says to Solomon, Ask what I shall give to you. What shall I give you? Verse 6, Solomon said, You've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Verse 7, Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out nor come in. Verse 8, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, 
too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, he could ask for that, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, that's the second thing he could ask for, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, As your father, David, walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. So after this act of humility, after this act of worship, after this act of obedience, of drawing close to God and sacrificing 1,000 sacrifices to the Lord, the Lord comes to Solomon because that was an act of faith. Solomon is just, hey, God bless you, Trinity. Glad to have you on. Trinity builders, God bless you. Thank you. Solomon wanted to show the Lord kindness because the Lord had shown his father and his family kindness. He says that in verse 6. Look, you've shown great mercy to my father, and now you're showing it to me. And you've made me a king. And, and, and in the eyes, in the eyes of himself, Solomon, verse 7, he says, Look, I'm a little child. Now Solomon is using that as a, as an as a, a uh, it's not a literal statement. Uh, it's a figurative statement. In God's eyes, you know, if you know, you, if you compare yourself to the Lord in wisdom, it's like He's a, a father. He is a father, and we're children, because the wisdom and the depth and degree of wisdom He has, compared to the wisdom that we have, it's so far apart. I have a two and a half year old daughter. She's very smart. At least I think so, right? But I, I mean, I think she is smart. She is smart. I know she is. But obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> but even her being smart, when I say she's smart, what do I mean? For her age, for what I expect her to know, she surprises me by knowing more. As she knows more than I expect her to know, and so it surprises me. But I still don't expect her to know what, everything that I know, and I certainly don't know everything. Many of the people, Jeff, different people on TikTok, would let you know that I don't know everything. In fact, they would say I don't know anything. But I don't expect my daughter to know as much as I do, and I don't know as much as, as, much as my father. So in Solomon's own eyes, he's humbled himself. 
I hope you can see that. Verse 7, Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. But Solomon, by age, was not a little child. He was a man. Solomon is a grown man when he becomes king. But when he compares, and I don't even know what the words compare, but when he stands in the presence and the awe of God Almighty, he realizes it's like I'm a, I'm a child compared to you, O Lord. And so what does Solomon ask God when God says, what do you want from me? Solomon says, you've shown me mercy. You've shown me kindness. You've made me the king of Israel. I'm like a child concerning what you've called me to do. So what I'm asking is that you would give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Now think about this. Remember our working def definition. Humility is absolute surrender to God's will. So Solomon is asking for wisdom. And God says, you're a king. You could have asked for a very long life. Because let's be honest, if you're the king, you've got it made. You've, you've got it made. Like living very long, a long, long, long life as a king, that's great because you're the, you're the head man of the nation. You could ask for a long life. He said, the Lord said, you could have asked for riches, a lot of money, a lot of gold, a lot of silver, camels, mules, horses, wealth beyond measure. You could have asked for that. You could have asked that all the kings around you, your enemies, that they would all be destroyed in battle so that you can come and take their stuff and their land. And the Lord said, but you didn't ask for any of those things. You asked for wisdom. Now notice, Solomon had a heart after the things of God, after the will of God. When your heart gets in line with the heart of the Lord, you'll want what God wants. That's what is so strange when people, when they see these powerful prayer promises in Scripture, you know, John 15 verse 7. Let me read it so I, make, I, I don't want to paraphrase it. John 15, verse 7, that'll be a good one to, to look at. It's a powerful, powerful prayer promise. And, and we just already quoted verses 1 and 2 from it on when Jesus is teaching that he's the true vine. John 15, verse 7 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Some people hit that verse and they think, I, surely that can't be true. God's telling me I can ask for whatever I want and he'll give it to me? And the answer is yes. But notice the condition or rather the requirement. The requirement is if you abide in me, if I am living in Christ and Christ's words are living in me, then whatever I want and desire, I ask of God the Father, in the name of Christ, and He gives it to me. So the requirement is, I'm in Christ and His words are in me. Well, it's very simple. If you're in Christ and Christ's words are in you, then what you desire is the same thing God desires. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we're renewed by the Word of God. So if Christ's words are living in me and I'm in Christ, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, made a brand new creation, given, become a partaker of the divine nature of God, 
and his words are dwelling in me, when I ask for something, I'm not going to ask for evil things, wrong things, or things that God doesn't want. I'm going to ask for what he wants. And Solomon was in a place like that. He asked for what God wanted. God wanted a king. If God was going to have a king on the throne of Israel, he didn't want them to have a natural king. But Israel asked for it, so he gave it. And after Solomon is removed, God says, I'm looking for a king. I found a king whose heart is after me, David. So now David has a son. So now David's son, Solomon, his heart's turned toward the Lord, and now God's going to give him his wisdom to rule his people and shepherd his people. And notice this. It's so powerful. And if you, if you missed the beginning of the broadcast, you can catch the replay on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You can just replay it. TikTok. Make sure you follow the TikTok account. Go to the TikTok account. Hit the link tree. Go to Gospel Tabernacle Church. Subscribe. And you can watch the replay of today and all the other messages in this series. But when Solomon asked for wisdom, God gave him wisdom. And he said, if you'll obey me, you'll live a long life. And I'm going to bless you with riches. And if you continue to read, Solomon has a nation his nation, Israel, lives in peace. David warred the whole time he was a king. He was constantly in war. But it's amazing. Solomon's kingdom actually grows larger, but Solomon doesn't go to war. Now, there's some times where he sends generals here or there or do this or that, but his kingdom grows larger through treaties, through trade agreements, through different ways. His kingdom grows larger, and Solomon doesn't pick up a sword to do it. So Solomon got everything he asked for, wisdom, and then he got everything he didn't ask for, long life, riches, and the expansion of his kingdom over his enemies. We're going to finish here today. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. When you ask God, he'll not only answer what you ask him in faith. When you ask in faith, he'll not just give you what you ask for. He'll go exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. He's able to do that. The God that we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is able, far reaching, more powerful than we can imagine. And he is able to do for us not just what we ask, but go exceedingly abundantly above it, super abundantly above what we ask or think. Humility is a good thing. When you humble your hand under the mighty, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, there is but one outcome. The Lord will lift you up. He'll raise you up. He'll cause you to succeed. He'll cause you to win. He'll cause you to, I like what Jeff Smith says on TikTok, He'll cause you to dominate. I like that. He wrote denomination, but it's a play on words. But it's right. 
the Lord, when you humble yourself unto the Lord, he will cause you to dominate in this life. That's exactly right, Trinity Builder makes an excellent point. According to your faith, be it done unto you. You're exactly right. The Lord is not limited. God is not limited. The only limit is our faith. How bold are you and I to ask? How bold are we to believe? Because when you put your heart and your trust and your faith in Lord in the Lord, He can do that and so much more. So the limit is never on God's side. If there's any limitation, it's with this guy who's looking in the mirror. It's the person that looks you in the mirror every morning if there's any limitation. If something needs to change, if something's not right, if something's blocking answered prayer, it's not the Lord. It's the person that looks you in the mirror every morning when you brush your teeth. And let me tell you something. The good news is that's really, really good news because all you got to do is change. All, and it's up to you to change. You just got to change. All you got to do is change. It's amazing. It's amazing. Hey, I'm thankful for you that you're watching, that you listen today. Before we get off, if you're watching today, whether it's during the live stream or the replay, and you think, you know what, AJ, everything you talk about sounds amazing, and I want to live a life like Solomon did, blessed and then even more blessed. If you're watching today and listening today, I want you to know this, that the first step to, to humbling yourself that you may be honored Humility comes before honor. The first step to humility with God is by putting your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first step of humility is putting your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that sin, when we break the laws of God, that the, wa the wages, the paycheck for the work of sin is death. Not just physical death. It is eternal death. Spiritual separation of our spirit from God in a real place called hell. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just judgment. Just punishment for our sins. But the Bible gives us hope and good news. Though the wages of sin are death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that which you deserve, that which I deserve, is put on Him or was put on Him at the cross. And when we put our faith in what He did at the cross, we receive forgiveness of sins, we are cleansed, we're recreated, made brand new, and made alive unto God. And it's this simple. If you've never confessed Jesus Lord of your life, if you've never believed in your heart that He's the risen Son of God, I want you to do it today. The Bible simply tells us, it's very simple, it's not hard to receive eternal life, that when you believe in your heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, and you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. You shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world, that God so loved you, that God so loved you, that He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him, Jesus, 
He should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want everlasting life, if you want to be brought into the family of God, if you want a brand new start, if you want every old, shameful, sinful thing that you've done to be washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ so that you might have eternal life, and not just when you go to heaven, but eternal life beginning now, having the divine nature of God being set apart by the power and the glory of God Almighty, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you've never prayed this prayer and confessed Jesus Lord of your life and received Him as Lord, pray this prayer now. Or if maybe you have at one point in time, but you know you're not right with God, you're convicted in your heart by the Holy Spirit, now's the time to get right with the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Wash me clean by the blood of Christ. For I believe that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on my cross for my sins. I believe you rose him from the dead three days later, and he is alive forevermore. I confess, I say with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord, and you are my Lord. I thank you for saving me in making me a brand new creation. By your power and your grace, I'll live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and it was the first time, now sometimes there's a little bit of confusion here, but I want to know the fruit that we're producing here. If you prayed that prayer and today, it was the first time you ever prayed that prayer. I want you to put an emoji hand up in the comment section. And I want you to do something, and I want you, I want you to connect with us. I'm grabbing the, the link here for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. For those that are watching on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, I'm posting the link now. If, you, the, if today was the first time that you prayed that prayer, put an emoji hand up in the comment section. Daniela, praise God. Amy, praise God. Amy, Daniela, and, uh, or I'm um, Daniela. Yeah, Daniela. Okay, there was an A there. Praise God. Go to my TikTok account, click on the link tree, and there's a form, or click on the link tree, and there'll be a tab that says, I just got saved. Click that tab. It's going to take you to my church website. Fill out that information, and I've got a stack of papers we're going to be mailing out in the next week. I'm going to send you a book completely free. I'm going to send you a book that will help you study the Word of God and help you grow stronger in the things of God. For those that are watching Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, I just drop the link in the comment section. Click that link, fill out the form, and we will send you a Bible study book that our pastor wrote here, my pastor, Pastor Leon, that he wrote, Bible Basics for Spirit-Filled Believers. It's, I think it's 13 lessons. If you'll go through that, you'll get your Bible, you get that book, you go through that study guide, look up the references, answer the questions, do the reading. When you get done with that study guide, do it, take one week per lesson. In 13 weeks, that's one-fourth of a year, three months. In three months' time, when you get done with that book, you'll know so much about who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you, and what the church is, and how to pray, and things about healing, 
and winning people to Christ and what the Bible says, Bible doctrines, you will know so much. And it will make you a strong, strong disciple if you'll go through it. That's my gift to you. That is my gift to you. And I want you to do it because we're going to be mailing these out in the next week or so. We've got a, we've got a stack of them to send out. Uh, Dibenarius, I will, uh, D. Bernarius, I'm so sorry if you haven't received that. I'll double check to make sure we send it out for you. There's no reason, no need for you to order it at all. Um, we'll make sure we get it out to you. Forgive me about that. Forgive me. Please forgive me. We'll make sure we get it out. I will, once we get done with this stream, I'll double check for sure to make sure if, because uh, I know if you filled out the form, if you filled out the form, we have the information. All right. I'm very thankful for you. Let me pray for you and make sure you join me tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow is going to be session number six, our last session in this series, Humility Comes Before Honor. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I bless everyone that's watching. This is my prayer, Lord. Those that are watching and listening that have yet to put their faith in Christ Jesus, Lord, soften their hearts. Continue to convict them by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that the seeds that we've planted today through the teaching of your word would come alongside all the other seeds that are constantly being planted in their lives. Lord, according to your word, you told us to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Send forth laborers, God. Send forth laborers across their path now in Jesus' name so that they might continue to hear the word of God, put their faith and trust in Jesus, and believe on him as Lord and receive salvation. Father, I pray for every believer that's watching and listening. Lord, strengthen us by the power of your might more and more and more. We ask for more grace, God. As we continually humble ourselves, we're asking for more grace so that we will be good and faithful servants in the kingdom, producing for the work and the ministry of the church, your church in the earth, Lord God. We want to see many people come to Christ. Help us be a part of that great harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm thankful for you. I pray that you have a great rest of the day. Remember, Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.